0: Hello and welcome to the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And uh, welcome to episode thirteen. Lucky thirteen, man. It is pretty lucky.
1: We got we got you.
0: We got the luck of the Irish. We yeah. We yeah. got so much luck right now. Yeah, I you know I'm not I don't really know my heritage. If I remember hearing it correctly, I think it's a little bit of Scottish and Irish.
1: I was just going by your last name. I have actually no idea if you're Irish or not. I'm actually uh, South African. <laughs>
0: so. No, I, I think I'm Scottish and Irish. So sometimes I pronounce it with a Mick, sometimes with a Mac. You know, just however I feel that day. It
1: depends, you know, what kind of Scotch you're drinking, or
0: mm-hmm. exactly. And then the accent comes out. You know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice. Ah, well, episode thirteen. Welcome, dude. What's the? Uh, how can people get a hold of us?
1: Yeah, they can get to us on Instagram at Postride Cafe. Uh, on Twitter, at Post Ride Cafe, cool. And uh, same thing that you can find us on any of the podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, all at Post Ride
0: Cafe. Yeah, I, I even will say it's okay if you tell your friends. Yeah, one or two. Yeah, not too many, uh, just one or two. Maybe even talk about it at work. <laughs> yeah. People love talking about cycling at work. Oh, that, that's all they talk about at work. Yeah. I talk about Bike King. That's a new Netflix show. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Some guy, like, was on a bike, he murdered somebody, and there was some drama or something. It's all the rage right now.
1: All I know is that that new bike that I'm going to repaint, tiger, tiger Print, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> dude, you
0: should, Tiger Stripe it up. Uh, well, well, all right, let's get right into it with our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats, dude. Yeah. Well, this week, went way out of right field here, 97 miles, and just a sh- touch under 4,000 feet of climbing. Yeah, I wasn't going to give you that, that bump there. Oh yeah, I appreciate it <laughs> on either one. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't truly hit a hundred miles for the week, even though I probably have a couple miles in like when I turn off the computer and spin out. But if it on in on Strava, it doesn't count. Nope, I'm not counting it. Me neither. Uh, yeah, so I'm at one hundred
1: sixty-three miles and five thousand two hundred forty-three feet. I'm
0: glad you're so precise.
1: I mean, otherwise I was know oh five thousand, you know, two hundred
0: and change. Fifty-two you know, hundred. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, That's whatever. That's what's man. on Strava. Hey, I guess Strava doesn't lie. True. So have you edited your uh, elevation feet yet? <laughs> Obviously, I have not done that. Ever, I don't know what it is like. So both of us have like almost the same computer, and we're riding in the same ride, and we'll have two different elevation gains. Well, you we had that with your old computer as well. I, I mean, they're both Garmin's, but yeah. Well, you, now so you, they're at least the same series. No, you have a five ten, and you have a five twenty or something. But I think
1: you have a series above. So you had a series below, and now a series above, and neither one
0: it's is I, it's not the
1: same as mine. No, I think it's probably consistent on your end, but
0: yeah, I don't know. It's strange. Anyway, I will be updating my uh, yearly feat at some point just to get that extra gain at the end, If I can get <laughs> a quick ten thousand. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I think it, it all counts. <laughs> all right, man. Let's get into it with our ride of the week. For me. Uh, Wednesday I kind of wanted to touch on my Wednesday ride so I did two rides and my Wednesday ride I was after work I wanted to do you know we we're talking about intention and so my intention before I started my ride was to go up to South Mountain and there's a little section that's off of the climb that's behind uh, some barriers so there's no cars so and it's called San Juan Road and so it's like a little bit mostly downhill at the beginning and then at the end there's a little stinger and on the way back, it's the opposite. So it's a little downhill at the beginning and then just like a 2 to 3 4% gradient for a couple miles, 3 yeah. or 4 miles. So, you know, I think total it's an 8-mile loop, 8-ish. So 4 miles out and 4 miles back. So it's a nice spot to get just a – it's actually a good little training spot for some, some light climbing gradients, you know, and you can put in some power.
1: Yeah, you'll see some TT people out there and just so that they can get in
0: a little bit of variety and not just pure flat. It's the one thing I don't like about it is (laughs) I have to look at TT riders. But besides that, uh, no, it's a great little spot and so that was my intention when I went out and, well, my ride didn't turn out that way and it ended up being, like, windy and I just felt bad at the beginning and, you know, I almost just turned around because I just felt so awful and I couldn't tell if it was the wind or just, just having a bad day or, you know, as I call them, a TJ day and, um, but i just i pushed through and i was like all right i switched to my mentality like i just want to get a ride in i'll do like zone 2 i won't push it too hard you know and so i did that and then at the the second lap you know it took from where i work to where that is it's like 15 8 miles eight, 8 to 12 miles or something so i got a little bit of warm up did one lap and then on the second lap i felt a lot better and then on the way back there was a little bit of a tailwind and so i think in the end it was just bad legs and bad warm up and so once I actually got going it felt a lot better and I guess my point is it's like it's okay to change your process when you're if you don't feel what you're expecting you know I kind of had this hope of being pretty strong or, or not how I felt for sure and so I changed my intent on the ride and just adjusted on the fly which I think is, is good to do. The ride today you know was was spectacular but just as far as that one goes it just is important to me because like i almost stopped writing altogether and like wanted to quit you know it's just good to recognize that you can just change your mind and and do something different It's it's not a loss you just alter your your goals
1: yeah and i will think like that's kind of what the ride of the week for for us is about anyways it's just what did we get the most out of it doesn't have to be always the biggest or yeah whatever certain number it's it's just whatever your ride of the week is.
0: Yeah, because I was going to make today, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with this because it's not about the number, what was the longest ride or the toughest ride. Like, yeah. What ride met my goal or, or whatever of the week, you know?
1: Yeah, or you something that you could draw something from.
0: Yeah, and I definitely drew from that. Like, I just felt awful. And so I, I know some people might be able to relate to that. Yeah, well, I
1: mean, in two parts, obviously I had to pick the longest ride of the week because I want those numbers. Yeah. But no... Uh, same kind of thing like I came out today and I had felt a little off earlier in the week and it was kind of a slow build up in the week and today I was like hey like I had told you I was like let's go do out to to Bartlett and Bartlett Lake yeah Yeah, Bartlett Lake or the start of the road which was gonna be you know about a metric century for us and I had been feeling pretty good though, and I had taken the last two days off and I was like gonna crush it Going to be great. I'll do all the poles. Like, you know, I got it. And the first 10 miles, just brutal. Super slight wind, I would say, on that section. It got much windier um, on the way back. But just slight wind on there. And I don't know if it was, same thing, bad legs, mental, you know, the wind, whatever it was. I told you, I was like, I'm going to turn around, like, 10 miles in.
0: I was like was even before 10 miles. Well, before, I think we got to like five or six miles in and you yeah, were like, I, I don't was, feel good.
1: Yeah, I was like, I don't feel good. I need to take a gel. I was just like, a gel? Like, I mean, sometimes, you know, I'll go th- usually 30-ish without needing to eat anything if yeah. I know it's just going to be 30 and then I'm going to be back. And this time I was like, yeah, five miles. I was like, I, I need a gel. And it did help. And maybe yeah. it was mental or, or whatever. But after that, we were able to push through. Uh, still, just... Brutal coming back, like the, the headwind.
0: Yeah. Well, I think uh, you should have had some of the ginger snaps with your coffee this morning. Dude. Oh, yeah. I didn't <laughs> offer you any, but you should have had some. Yeah. I just offered you some toast. But That toast threw off like the glucose levels. Oh, yeah. You did it to me. Oh, for sure. That's my fault. But yeah, so this ride is, is a kind of a tale of two rides, right? It's half. The first half is kind of slightly uphill, and at the end, there's a climb, and then the rest of it's mostly downhill, right? So the speeds are just two different types of riding. Oh, totally. But Yeah, the way up is, once we got past that first, you know, six or seven, ten mile warm up, you know, I started to feel a little bit better as well, and, and some of it was, there was a little bit of wind, and, you know, that second portion of the first half, I, I felt a lot better.
1: Yeah, because even on the cl- the climb part of it, which was a good portion of, of that, like going out there still, Yeah. I mean, I felt, I didn't feel strong, but... I didn't feel like how I felt those first 10 miles. Oh, definitely. You definitely it, was, it was harder. So like, I know that it was just me feeling that.
0: Yeah, I definitely can say I knew that you were not up to your normal level because you know, even though I did PR that climb, which I've only done it once, so the last time I did it was in December when I had just started back riding and I was awful. And I beat that time on the climb like a minute and a half or something. But I definitely felt better at that point than you did, because usually at climbs, you distance me pretty quickly, and on the early slopes that were still only two or three, which is more in my wheelhouse, like, you were still distancing me, but it wasn't as dramatic as it normally would be, so I could tell that you were definitely suffering. Well, because when we got to that, like, you know, our kind of water fill spot, um,
1: you were two minutes behind max a minute, you know, something like that, which we've written that before, and it's been different, so it's... yeah. But yeah, it was tough. I mean, and then it kind of goes into, you know, what we were going to talk about of that style of riding, uh, kind of wind and tough uh, of, you know, the domestique and and the part that they play of, like, the hard man who can push through those types of things. Sure.
0: Yeah, that descent was, it was interesting because I had never been quite to the tippy top. Apparently, I I just (laughs) was like... 50 feet away from where the end of that was, and, and so I rode past it today, and then I was like, I don't think I'm where I'm supposed to be, and so I stopped and gave you a call real quick, and you're like, no, no, you missed it, and so I turned around, and, like, as soon as I turned around, it was just, like, I was getting blown around on my bike, and I was going, like, 18, 19, you know, and, like, a minus 2%, like, getting blown around, and I was like, oh, man, this this is going to be an interesting ride home, because everything is basically downhill. Yeah not like steep or anything, a couple percentage or whatever, but the beginning is is the steeper part. And I was like, not a big fan of descending in the wind, um, especially cross or swirl wind or whatever. And so this is like a, the only real use for this road is there's a few houses, but it's mostly people driving to the lake. And so you got people with boats or motorcycles and people just kind of driving fast. Yeah, you get that pull from them when they pass you. Exactly. So you have that crosswind plus that. And so what happens is like, you're descending and you're kind of adjusting to the wind and you're leaning properly. And so you don't notice it. And then all of a sudden a car just whizzes past you and blocks the wind for that second. And then all of a sudden you're swirled and like, you know, not an area that I'm super confident and comfortable doing, but I actually started to ease into it. And normally what happens for me is I kind of tense up in my hands and I start to get cramps because I'm like grabbing the handlebars so hard. And so today I was like, all right, dude, Sam, chill out, like take a breath. And I kind of relaxed and like halfway through that, Beginning descent, I sped up a lot. You
1: know? Yeah, I, I will say. I mean, also, imagine I'm getting blown around all the time. It's true. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're like
0: fifty pounds lighter. Than me. <laughs> yeah, I was
1: like, it's awful. Yeah. Now you know. <laughs> but yeah, the, that first half, I I had got ahead in front, and then second half, I like you were saying, you had gotten comfortable, yeah. And then you were in you were in front of me descending, you know, the whole time.
0: Yeah, I, I bumped it up like two or three miles an hour. I just I just relaxed. I was like, you know what, I have to learn how to do this, and so I was like. I took that opportunity of like it's a pretty consistent um, descent at two or three percent negative or whatever, and so in that wind, it's it was a good opportunity I took to learn how to relax and go through wind. You know,
1: the nice thing is it's wide open too, so it, it's I mean the lanes goes in and out, and it's still a bike lane. It's not that big, but it's not twisty or anything like that. It's not technical. Yeah. So you can, it's a good thing to learn on.
0: Yeah, and so I definitely, I seized the opportunity to do that and it made a difference. Because what I was doing before is as soon as I hit a little bit of wind, you kind of get that jostle. And then I would like kind of panic a little bit and I like hit the brake. And so then I would notice it just felt awful. And I was like, what happens if I just don't do that and just ride it out? You know, and then it, it just makes it so much smoother now. If it's a technical descent in some wind, I'll probably still be <laughs> shitting in my pants and squeezing the brakes. No, yeah, that's but, that's a whole different story. Yeah, what I don't like, like last week when we did all those steep climbs, is descending at like seventeen percent. Oh, oh I, that was terrible. That yeah. I don't that one on, on Choya is like the worst descent. Yeah, my luckily I had disc brakes, but they were starting to squeak, man. <laughs> like they were a wobbly. Anyway, yeah. So going on about domestiques and stuff. This really showed its face, you know, halfway through this descent. Yeah. Where we, uh, so we're going through this town of, uh, I always get them all mixed up. It's Cave Creek. Cave Creek, New River, Carefree. They all have a similar, like, mentality. Well, it says Town, so. Frontier (laughs) Town. Oh. It's Frontier Frontier? Town, I think.
1: We'll check the picture.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, we could go on a whole rant on this. Like, Cave Creek was, like, a biker bar, like, area, and now it's sort of into, like, you know, hipster, boomer, like, people with like lots of money and it's like there's an, a regular chain restaurants there now it's awful anyway uh, but it is like a kitschy sort of western like
1: it's like place. a westerny like you know kind of not a ghost town kind of thing but it's like oh like come and see come and see arizona you know vintage arizona and it's yeah. It's for tourists. That's all it comes down to. It's for tourists.
0: Also, I drove. We rode by, and there was this like shop that sold like those glass like mushrooms and stuff that people put in their front yard. You know, those like oh, glass tubes with flowers. Like uh, I don't like hippies, man. I don't get it. Like <laughs> anyway, totally ranting for no reason. But so we were going through that town, and then it takes a left turn, and then you start heading back towards the city. And right there, we kind of crested that. We turned that corner, and then there was a couple more spots of climbing, and then there was this uh, rider ahead of us. And like, I, you know, we kind of wanted today to be a chill ride. And I was like, it was pretty windy right there. And I was like, dude, I got this. And like I just like laid the hammer down because I wanted to catch that person before we got to the top.
1: Really appreciate you not telling me you were going to do that. So I did not
0: react well to it. <laughs> you know, once you caught onto my wheel, it was nice to have you there blocking that wind. That wind was brutal at that point. Yeah. I was uh, getting blown around, but it was fun. Yeah, it was a good ride. It's just my favorite type of thing. Like... We had said before, not every single time, but when the weather takes a turn or there's like a rough condition or something, I just like get more elevated and I just take, I kind of just take over and like want to push harder. I don't know what it is. Like, I just can't turn it off. Like. I do not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At all. But Um, I guess like, you know, we kind of wanted to talk about, you know, it's been this thing on on cycling this week. They've been paying uh, homage, homage, I don't know, to domestiques, you know? Homage. and so it's it's an area in cycling that I really enjoy is appreciating someone doing some work for you, right? And so I think domestiques kind of always get less recognition or, you know, less respect or whatever. And I think that's less the case now, you know. And But I do enjoy seeing that this week. They put a lot of effort into thanking, you know, the people who kind of do a lot of behind-the-scenes work or a lot of grunt work during the race that you don't get to hear about or, or see. You see it all the time. But you don't get that. Respect, so it was nice to see that.
1: Yeah, and I, we're kind of gonna like touch on that. So, Cycling News had their article, and the viewers or the readers voted uh, Michael Nieve as the their top choice, and the writers voted Tim DeClerc. And I was kind of saying it was interesting, you know, they they definitely both deserve it, but they're, one's a climbing domestic, and one's like more polls on the flats and the classics, and it's kind of interesting where. Like, you need those domestiques everywhere, uh, but I feel like the same thing. You don't... You see the, Tim clerk getting recognition all the time, sure. and the guys like him. You're like, he sits on the front and just pulls... You know, he's pulling breakaways back, He's just, or he's just up there pulling yeah. for half the day.
0: Well, I think that's why, right? So you have domestiques that can be climbing domestiques. You can be flat. You can be... the sprint lead-out man, right, which yeah. I, I learned today. Michael Morkoff is a, a pretty good lead-out guy. I, I just, like, totally missed that one. Like I was like, I don't know how. I just remember him being on, like, Sunweb and, like, kind of being a time trialist or something or maybe a classics dude. Like, I I just don't have a good recollect, uh, recollection of what he does, I guess.
1: Oh, and I, I feel like just at least the last few seasons he's been just at the top of, of that as, yeah. as kind of, like, last man lead-out guy.
0: Also, I had no idea he was on Quick Step.
1: I don't know where I was
0: on this one totally passed me but anyway I think the reason why you see someone like Tim DeClerc getting a lot more recognition is like he's just on TV all the time right that's part of the importance of TV time right when you're in the break and you're getting TV time for your sponsors or you know as a on a smaller team you can get other teams to recognize what work you're doing in a breakaway and like maybe get a record you might be able to get a you know, offer from a, a world tour team if you're on a pro if you're on a pro team or whatever. So it's all about that TV time. And so I think that's the reason why the people that are, you know, on the flats doing the work during the middle of the stage are getting the most recognition because you're seeing them work all the time. Where like Morkov puts in a hell of a lot of work for what he does and that for that role he's one of the best, but it's for a couple kilometers or whatever. Yeah. And then on a climbing domestique is probably the second most recognized because I didn't quite count I didn't really think about like sprinter leadout guys. Like I think that's a whole category, and I think that's super important. But I never really thought of them as domestiques. I guess like in my head, like domestiques are like people during the day, and then climbers or like putting in a lot of sustained efforts, not like yeah. end of the race type of thing. Well,
1: I was kind of saying earlier, like Oss is, is like that, or somebody who will put you in position for the sprint, or will pull back a you know a small group if you're if there's a break happening correct so you kind of have that too where he he's not going to I mean he definitely could sit in the front for a long time but he's not as recognized as De for doing that or Tony Martin for just sitting on the front and, and just one consistent speed for a really long time yeah like he's more of just maybe he's your satellite rider or he's he's pulling
0: back a group yeah well what um who would you vote for for best domestique last year uh didn't really think about it yeah i mean i think de Klerk is a fine choice like he did just watching him do what he does in races like he definitely put a lot of work like for me i can't remember much of last year like when i think of that i think of like Kiwakoski or you know some of the guys on sky and Ineos. like those really stick in my head of like how much work they would True. do yeah and so it's that's where my head is stuck on i can't think of last year specifically but besides de Klerk, Especially, I mean, even Ost did a ton of work. But Tony Martin, I was looking, he did a metric ton of work. I think he's been re-gen- re- re- uh, re-energized and motivated going to Yumbo Visma, working as a domestique. Like, he doesn't have the time trying chops. And I think he's really found a niche for himself that he enjoys. It's like suffering, but he gets a break at the end.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, uh, you know, he gets to make other people suffer. I think that's what some of the guys like. They're like, yeah. I'd rather just make other people suffer because like, I mean, I'm going to have to. So it's... I'm not gonna win. For sure.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think Declerc's probably a, a, the guy I would pick.
1: Yeah, just those guys. I mean, I think because both of us, our favorite races are classics races. And those guys who like break apart and to create those echelons, which Quick Step is so good at. But seeing that, I feel like you see it in action, like right right there.
0: Yeah. Oh, geez. Or if you see them like somehow get caught out and they're just putting a ton of work going through.
1: Just thought of one. Sepkus
0: yeah I thought about him too
1: he crushed it like as because I was trying to think of a climbing domestique and just a guy that is same thing pulling maybe pulling somebody back you know pulling one of the attackers back or just doing long turns on the front on the mountains and sure. I feel like Cuss was just killing that last year
0: I think uh, Mark Soler is another good choice yeah you know and so you know. when he wants to when he decides he wants to, obviously he had, uh, what was that, the, the, the Vuelta where he had that one stage yeah. where he thought he could And I, Honestly, that was a brutal stage to watch because, like, he could totally have won that stage. But in the end, he, he made the team choice. But it was, it was a – I mean, Movistar was just interesting all yeah. last year, and, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, I guess for you, what, what do you think about Domestiques? Like, do you think of them as all the roles, including lead-out guys? Or like yeah, I think it's, it's everybody for sure. Um I mean, I appreciate having one, so that's that's always nice. I know, nice. dude. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the funniest things was like when my fiance found out that I I sort of enjoy being a domestique and like pulling in the wind and like, you know, I'm not gonna be the guy that's ever gonna win a climbing KOM or something, you know. So if I can put in a bunch of work and help bring you to a segment, you know, like perfectly, like I just enjoy that because I'm not gonna be able to do it. So like having a hand and helping you get there, like, is is reward for me like it's tough yeah it's i mean it's awesome (laughs) but anyway the story was like she found out that i i would lead you out and she's like you domestique for erin i was like 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 she just like looked down on me you know which like goes back to like they get a bad rap the original definition you know one of our buddies read like the history of the peloton or the tour de france or something and so he was talking about the guy who invented the term domestique was like making a comment about people who wheel suck On other people in mountains and he was like you're no better than a domestique which is like a servant you know and so it had that connotation of being a put down and it's transitioned into like you know what i need someone who's going to be around me to help me and it's turned into a more positive role and cycling to me is a team sport so like they're hugely important to the success of any rider that does well has two or three domestiques that they really champion and and trust yeah so i don't think there's anything wrong with that but you know, if you're going to be a wheel sucker and, and want to win a race, then then that's a problem.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know any riders like that. No, I couldn't think of any Michael Matthews.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, I think I could do climbing domestic duty. I feel like I can keep a good pace, a consistent pace down. And I will say, like, I would get enjoyment, I guess a different type of enjoyment of, I don't have to win, but if I can drop other people or something from the group and make it hard, yeah, like that I enjoy. So I don't know, kind of where anyone who's listening, just, you know, where do you fall in those categories or, you know, what attributes do you think
0: make a good domestique like that? Yeah, no, I'd be interested to know, like climbers, sprinters, you know, brake killers. Like there's a lot of different ways to call domestiques and like, it's just interesting. What, what's your favorite type, you know? Brake killers are cool too because
1: it's demoralizing or or ones that where a guy tries to go off the front and somebody just pulls him back right away. Well that's just and, a level of respect of like this guy's too
0: dangerous to like go. Well yeah, you know? but it's
1: just like you know you know they got to feel like
0: oh come on man let me go
1: and he's like nope can't do it.
0: I mean not to talk shit about Sagan, but let me talk shit <laughs> about Sagan. Like, that was how he was when he first started. Like, no one let him go anywhere. Yeah. Because you know, he was too dangerous. And now they're like, oh, Sagan's going on the front fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's an interesting about being an excellent domestique is the pressure of, like, when are you going to try to do your own grand tour or break off and, like, you're good enough to be a leader, right? And you yeah. see that in a lot of sports. And so guys who are great domestiques and they want to go on their own. So you have, like, wow, polls. I mean, I guess the biggest thing is you're going to see this is in, like, Ineos or Sky, right? They had just a plethora of riders who went through their system and ended up being on their own teams after a while, but someone like Mikhail Landa or Watt Poles, like they have enough hunger to think that they can move ahead and lead their own team, right? Yeah. And so we saw that with Mif- Mikhail Landa.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of brings us, we watched that Netflix, uh, the movie star documentary on there.
0: It's called a Segway, dude. Oh. <laughs> That was a that was a really nice segue. Yeah, it was subtle. I had to uh, make sure you knew it was a segue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how good it was. Yeah, um, yeah. So we watched that movie star Netflix documentary. I think it was, it was called the Unexpected Day or something. Least expected. Least day? Least expected day. Yeah, that's what it was. I don't know. I just I literally just watched the last episode. <laughs> And you typed it as unexpected day. I so. did. Yeah, that's why I said it.
1: Don't worry. There's a guy who fixes all the show notes
0: at the end Good. before it gets posted. I would be a terrible politician because I would just read my teleprompter, <laughs> <laughs> just whatever it said. Like, yep. What was that? What was that? Was that a show or a movie where like people? It was Anchorman.
1: They like didn't they like yeah, put yeah. something in there? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, yeah. So it was kind of the tale of their four leaders and their. Um, and it was, I, I was saying one, like, big conclusion aside from the team being just ridiculously chaotic and mismanaged. Because a guy goes, Nairo, you know, is going out. And they're like, no, 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 we're at Nairo. And then they're like, well, maybe you can do it. And they're like, go, go, go. And it's like, I don't even know how you would be a writer on, on the team like that. You have no idea
0: what, what to do. They're like, come back, go, come back, go. What I did learn from watching this documentary is if something happens, you can just be like, ah. My earpiece wasn't working. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, I was adjusting it, like I was trying to make it turn it up, and it fell out, and I
0: don't know, I forgot. Yeah, I just thought you stopped talking. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or oh, I changed the frequency. I meant to hit volume, and I just gave up. You know, or like oh, it was really windy and the rain, and like I just, I just couldn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So That's good. One of my fa- it wasn't on TV, so we didn't see it. So we just thought the race was still on. You know, like yeah. So that it covered the whole season. But it focused on the three Grand Tours, which is reasonably the most important races anyway for cycling in general besides the main classics. And they're but, a GC team, so like, yeah. that's going to be their focus anyways. Oh, definitely.
1: So like we had
0: said last week, the first episode, just ignore it. Just pretend there's only five episodes if you haven't seen it yet. Honestly, I would skip it because you get, especially people
1: who are just watching it for entertainment, you get too much random information and yeah. it would be better just to watch it Like, as a chronological timeline, because the other one skips around all over the place.
0: Yeah. So, I would skip the first episode, but the last five I thought were pretty good. I wish there was probably a little more information and a little more, like, updates for every stage that were important and where they... Because all of a sudden, you'll be on, like, stage four or something, and then all of a sudden, you're on stage eight, and they have different time gaps, and you don't know what happened. And so... Yeah. You do lose a little bit of, of information there, but overall, I thought they were pretty good. But yeah, really... Brought it home that they were, you know, the thing is, I don't think they were that disorganized, but I think they had, they were, you know, this goes back to the trident approach of having multiple leaders and how just how difficult it really or is to qu- handle. Quadrant. I mean, they got <laughs> well, yeah, like per four, race, yeah, per yeah, race.
1: yeah. They have like four guys on there who could be leaders, and then they have a fifth guy who wants to be a leader. It's like,
0: yeah, they were juggling a lot of balls. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean, I guess my takeaway is how I thought about certain writers has shifted a little bit, right? Carapaz, he's on that documentary. He came off really humble and awesome, you know, super nice, really humble and kind of, you know, made the decision to leave for more money. And that is what it is. But
1: His confidence level though was the big, especially being young, but his confidence level, the one particular episode, he, without really giving spoilers, he's he's kind of like, hey, like I know I'm going to do it today had a dream or something like where he like goes to his mechanic and called him up that night and like, Hey, in the morning, I want this, this size chain ring on, on my bike. I'm going to do this today and went out and did it. Yeah. That level of confidence. Like, I don't think you see it, especially in the same way of Landa where equally or, you know, who knows, maybe better physically talented, but cannot handle the leadership
0: pressure at all. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing that's not really like a bad thing. Like, you know, Mikhail Landa was an amazing domestique and he always wanted to do better and like have an opportunity to lead a grand tour. And, and the couple times that he was given an opportunity on Sky was he crashed or there was a, he was involved in a pileup or got hurt or, you know, whatever. So he had a, a few tours of bad luck. And so he never got to have his day in his prime, I guess. And so, on Movistar, he thought he would get the same opportunity, and unfortunately, it's same thing with Ineos well, or sky. There's so many riders on their team that are capable of leading that it's you tough had to, to know. Manage. You had to know going
1: in, though. Like, I mean, come on, look at it. I was going to say back to you know, sky and domestiques like Thomas. You know, years of crashes and bad, you know,
0: yeah. Every time he chores. went to a zero or something, yeah.
1: And you know he finally he finally got his, so it's you know maybe he always had it. You know they don't there's no documentary on them, so I I don't know. You don't get that insight of what they're feeling or how you think yeah. they are mentally, if he could handle it or or whatnot. But.
0: Yeah, I think with Landa he's just doesn't seem like he has the capacity to handle the pressures of being a team leader. Yeah, and like of not even a team leader, but like leading of a GC race where there's so much pressure and so much focus on what you're doing at all times I don't know if I could do that you know it's like I couldn't handle that kind of like focus you know like so it's like not a bad thing it's just I don't think he's capable of it like you can see it like he gets set off by one mishap or something and it ruins his day for you know just did yeah, make can him look see him just good.
1: in like yeah just down down positions all the time and he's just like yeah. I don't feel good like I don't want to do this and
0: I don't think that's how you're going to win anything.
1: Yeah, everybody feels that, but if you're going to be the best, you can't have that, and and maybe that's what makes some of these guys the best.
0: Second surprise, my thoughts on Nairo. So we have a nickname for Nairo. We called him Napa Nairo, because his last couple seasons looked like he's just sleeping on the bike.
1: Yeah, no attacks, like nothing happening, really. He just follows and...
0: Yeah, so just not the same Nairo that he was the first few years that he was really going against Team Sky and it just seemed like something changed for him. And so watching this documentary kind of helped understand a little bit of how and why that occurred. I think for him, it's the team management and their decisions and stuff. And know he made a comment where he's like, I didn't agree with a lot of decisions, but the one thing that I noticed about Nairo was like, he just did what he was told, you know? And like, he was just, it's not his team. It's not his choice. And so he went yeah. along with whatever management decided. And so he's a great team player, but you had made a comment that, Someone like Carapaz, like he just did his own thing and seized his opportunity and didn't wait for someone to tell him to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and when you win, no nobody argues with it. Yeah. So it's exactly. and then you get then you get that role. So it's kind of a bummer for Nairo and definitely a bummer this season because he looked like he had regained that kind of spirit of old and and that the end of the documentary. He's, you know, he leaves the team and but he's like I. I feel so good like about leaving and you can tell throughout he's, he's unhappy in there. And so it's kind of a bummer that, you know, at least so far in the season, we haven't, we don't know if there's going to be more of it. So we don't get to see what, what, you know, how he really develops because he was looking
0: fantastic. Yeah. He's already, he already won a few races this season. And so, yeah, definitely makes sense. Like he had said, spoiler alert, like lost some motivation, lost his, you know, like, wasn't fun and so he had to make a change and see if he could find that somewhere else you know and a lot of us at the time were like went to a pro conti team like it seems like the writings on the wall that he was gonna you know leave and go to a pro conti team it seemed like he was kind of on a downward trend of his career like something had happened and you know but in the end it possibly could have just been change of scenery and a different thing and brought his motivation back because he's coming up flying out of the gates and just winning stuff not not huge races but just Winning in general is not something he's done lately. Yeah, because obviously the physical talent was always there. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I thought the the documentary was cool. We were kind of talking like, I'd like to see more of these with other teams. You know, like what teams would what I want to watch? Like, I'd probably want to watch like Jumbo Visma. And I'm on the fence if I'd want to watch Ineos or not.
1: Jumbo Visma, if they had one, like if this year had gone on and they had that, would be cool. Just because, again, that now they have all these leaders... And yeah. all the leaders clashing always makes for some kind of drama.
0: It's true. And I think I had to pick one other non-GC team.
1: Uh, I feel like I'd have to watch Quick Step. Yeah. Because I, I really want to know if they're all like buddy-buddy as much
0: as like, they're you know, the, we're the Wolf Pack. Maybe they are. I think, would still be I think fun that, to watch. I think they are, man. If you watch them ever win a race or anything, they're always grouped up and like... Maybe. It would
1: still, either way, either side of it, it would be fun to watch. Oh, for sure.
0: Well, speaking of watching... We didn't get to watch a race today. Race coverage? Dude, there right is now? race coverage this week. Wow. But it was a Zwift race. Oh, all right. It was the virtual Tour de Flanders. I'm not going to bother pronouncing that. <laughs> the Rendezvous van Blonderland? Dude, great. We'll say that was spot on. Yes. Yeah, so this one was a Zwift UCI thing, I believe, where... I think this one was on Be Cool. Oh, So yeah, so this was like a virtual like race. They had, I think it was only like 14 riders or something. Yeah. And uh, they did like the last 40K or 50K or whatever of Flanders. So it was uh, interesting. I forgot that it was on and I woke up this morning and was on the Reddit Peloton thread and I saw it and I was like, I'll watch this. I'm glad
1: we both did the same thing because we didn't talk about that and didn't talk about the race. And I was just like, "Oh, this is on." And maybe I had sent you the picture or something. I was, yeah,
0: I was already watching it. Having the time. some
1: tea and uh, nice. Yeah, what did you think? I was gonna say, first off, the initial stream I had was awful. It had that terrible commentator, and it was lagging so bad, like the my stream was freezing. Yeah. And so you would have like, it looked awful. Hmm. But then I switched to the one on InCycle, and I thought it was way better. I thought it was a better commentator as well. Sure. So, I really appreciated it as well. Side note of that is the guy on InCycle, he commentated as if it was a real race. He was, you know, like, oh, he's this guy's going on an attack, and it could have, you know, they just pushed a little... It wasn't yeah. the same thing, or... He made you feel as if you were watching a real race when yeah, it was a virtual
0: race. which I can, I can which the other that.
1: guy did not do at all, so... The, That made a big difference for me because you're watching graphics. You know, it's a cartoon or video game kind of thing.
0: I will say that this was the first time it's sort of been, like, big in a sense, and so they have a lot to learn from this. And I know we talked last week about the Tour de Suisse being on Rovi at the end of April, so I think they'll have plenty of time to learn from this and improve. But I think with um, what I would say was the transitions from watching riders to having riders on the screen with them like being live on their bike or whatever was nice, but it could have been integrated more smoothly. And so as they learn and get better about this, they'll, they'll improve. And so I think I related it to someone like myself where I would watch live. I'd watch Twitch watching video games or, you know, card games or whatever. And you see, as they improve their streams, they started integrating those things more seamlessly and they're not as boxy and weird. And so, they're starting to maximize spaces and you can actually see stuff. So I think you'll see that more if this moves on. and I think with the Ruby setup, they have a they at least have a benchmark of what to be better than.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say you would you had mention that I didn't know on that that Roby system that they had actual mapping that they kind of overlay mm-hmm. on the race so you're not looking at just this kind of virtual world that it, it looks more realistic. And I think if you can combine that, with a system that can handle Thomas DeGaunt's power, because oh, yeah. obviously Zwift can't, you know, they just tossed him out of the race. It's true. <laughs> Unrealistic. That's true. But if if you can do that, then I think it starts becoming a little more than just kind of a game training and maybe you could put it into something else. Like, I don't know. Not that I wanna see that over you know, regular racing. Yeah. But even if you're using it, why wouldn't you want this more realistic Correct. kind of thing. I, th- I think it's just better. Why, why not make it better?
0: Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about the week before of in the last few weeks anyway of how do you interact with your consumers and the people who follow your team when there's not racing going on? And so I think the one positive, if you have to come up with one it, during this pandemic, is it's making people think outside of the box and be creative of how to solve their sponsorship issues with interacting with consumers and keeping their... Their fans, you know, um, connected, and this yeah. is a way to do that. And so, you know, in the off season, you know, like even right now, you can do a recovery ride with Mike Woods or whatever. And it's like with Ravi or Ruvy being a, a way to have real video images overlaid and your avatars on there. Like, I think it will improve that, and you can have weekend events where mass, like almost grand fondos and stuff, where people can be indoors in the summer or in the winter or whatever. And I think it's probably more something you'll see in the winter when there's actually a season again. Like, it'll be a way to connect with your fans in the off-season. I think that'll be a big boon. And I think this has helped that come to fruition, I think.
1: Yeah, it just kind of breeds it out of necessity. Yeah. Where before, people are like, oh, it's good enough. Yeah, I think that's an excellent takeaway from this. If only, you know, Michael Matthews could have had a mechanic, though.
0: I, I got to throw it in there. <laughs> well, you were saying I didn't see it, but when he had his mechanical, quote-unquote, the guy on the stream was like, oh, I think he might have had a puncture, you know, like kind of going with that keeping it real yeah. attitude, and like it was kind of <laughs> And they funny. just
1: zoom in on his little avatar guy, and it circles around, and he's got like one foot down on the screen, and then they show him like the, the actual him on, on the side video. And I was like, oh, man, it's got to be awful,
0: but... <laughs> Yeah, in the end, I guess it's, it's important to note, who, who won this race? GVA. I was a little disappointed that he didn't, like, sit up at the end and, like, hold his arms up and cheer. He kind of just, like, all right, that, train's, that training ride's
1: over, and he just stopped pedaling. He did kind of admit, he was like, you know, it's fun, it's glad, same kind of thing, we had this connection and entertainment for people. He's like, but it's, it's not the real thing.
0: Yeah. I think you'll see a bigger take-up in this for, like, amateur racing and stuff.
1: Yeah, I think it makes sense. And, I mean, they're already using Zwift to pull, like, people onto SRAM, I think. They have, uh, I know on the women's team for sure, that you kind of the Zwift Academy and you can mm-hmm. yeah, get onto actually, a pro team. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you, power is power. Like, you could, maybe you have to learn some of the race techniques and the tactics, but probably you're already amateur racing or semi-pro or whatever if you're at that level. It's not like you've never ridden in a group before.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that'll be the hardest transition would be, like, etiquette on the road if, if you're not that familiar with it. But, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more integration with these systems now, seeing what they can offer. And, and they're only going to get better. Right now, they're a little cheap and kind of chintzy looking. And I think they're definitely going to They look start... like
1: games still. Like, and eventually, you know, hopefully they don't. So. Well, like a arcade game from the
0: 90s is what they <laughs> yeah. kind of look like. <laughs> they're all, so. like, polygon figures. Yeah. and Oh, man. But, yeah, I think... Wasn't great. It was at least fun to watch something, and having the correct commentators is really helpful. And you notice that a lot with video game streams of competitions. It's commentators make or break those. So if they want to take this seriously, they're going to have to invest in that for sure.
1: All right. The thing that's going to wrap it up, you know, I think we'd mentioned it last week, and we're definitely going to mention it next week. We got to cover recovery. So.
0: Yeah, we do. I'm hoping I can find something else to, to talk about so that way you get more stressed that we promised our fans, a fan or fans, I don't know, like a specific topic and we don't deliver it. The thing is, like, I'm not worried. Like, we'll cover recovery at some point, but most likely next week. I need some recovery, so. I do too. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go try stuff. I'm going to go hang upside down or put ice on one leg and not the other. You got those boots? I got those base boots that with compression.
1: Yeah, I'll let you use them. So, I don't man. have those
0: boots <laughs> alright until next week have a good one alright see ya yeah so this one was a Zwift UCI thing I believe where they had um... I think this one was on Be Cool oh I thought Be Cool oh it was on Be Cool I thought it was on Zwift I think this mm. I don't know what Be Cool is it's another like platform oh really
1: it looked just like Zwift to me I don't know now. I'm, Who cares? I it was swore. virtual. I could have swore it was Be Cool, which leads into what I was gonna talk about. So
0: fine, we're just gonna assume that this was Be Cool, and if it wasn't, uh, tough tiddlywinks. winks. All right. All right, cool. So yeah, so this was like a virtual like race.